Welcome to Your Strata Property, the podcast for property owners looking for reliable, accurate and bite-sized information from an experienced and authoritative source. To access previous episodes and useful strata tips, go to www.yourstrataproperty.com.au. Hello and welcome. I'm Amanda Farmer and this is Your Strata Property. Today we welcome Rachel Cosentino to the show. Rachel is a lawyer working in specialised litigation services at Slater and Gordon Lawyers in Perth, Western Australia. Rachel is the president of SCA Western Australia and one of WA's most respected strata lawyers. Rachel is here today to talk to us about what makes a great strata community. Welcome, Rachel. Hi, Amanda. Thanks for having me on your program. Absolute pleasure. Now, Rachel, you're joining us from WA, so it's bright and early over there, and I appreciate you making the time for us. It's a pleasure. I'm really excited to be talking about this topic. It's it's a great one, and it's something that I know you're particularly passionate about. I want to start by asking you, Rachel, why do you think it's so important for people living in strata and community schemes to feel a sense of community? Well, Amanda, I think everybody knows that a sense of belonging and connectedness is important for people's well-being, um, and it's important for having strong, vibrant communities. And what sociologists have told us is that since the 1970s in societies like Australia and the US, that civic society has been declining, that opportunities for having that connectedness and that sense of belonging have declined where people, Mm. you know, used to be involved in their, you know, suburban church and their kids all went to the same school and they might have worked in the same workplace or factory. So they had all of these, you know, same sports clubs. They had all these intersections where they could get that sense of community and belonging. Mm. We know that that's declined and we need to look for things to put in its place. And I think strata living is one of those opportunities to find that civic involvement and that sense of community again. Mm, I think that's a really fabulous way to look at strata living, that it it's an opportunity for community. It's not about trying to find your own little space and your own little box and your own privacy that you feel like you might be missing out on because you don't have a freestanding home. It's actually an opportunity to find what others are missing out on in this modern day. I really like that take on it. Yeah. I hope that when people decide that that's where they want to live, that they do it for those reasons and the opportunities to be involved in a, in a democratic process of you know, having decisions made by the people who live and own in the, in the strata scheme all contribute to that, those possibilities. Mm, great. And what do you think makes a great strata community? I think there's one thing. Mm. I would say three important things and the first is volunteers. It's people who are willing to take up that challenge and be part of the management committee or the council of owners or subcommittees that influence the decision making and the running and management of the scheme. So so volunteers is important in a mm. sense of people contributing in that way. One of the other things is bylaws that are suitable for the scheme. Mm. A, a standard set of bylaws does nothing to promote community and yep. amenable living. So bylaws that are suited to the people and the types of uses in the scheme is, I think, critical. And the third one is the built environment. 
of the scheme. Now, that's not necessarily how the building itself is designed. It can be that the building is in an area that has some sort of connection or theme that the community can identify with. For example, it might be in close proximity to a football oval or a local theatre or a Mm. children's hospital or something that gives it a connection to its sense of place. Or alternatively, the built environment itself might have a sense of place, community gardens or children's facilities, those sorts of things. Mm. I like to think that developers these days are becoming more attuned to that and they're thinking about these things when they choose their development sites, when they're engaging with architects to design their buildings. And it was only just this week that I was talking to someone, was a conveyancer actually, and she sits on the board of a not-for-profit and part of what that organisation does is provide advice to developers about how to find these types of spaces, how to build communities within them that work and work for the future And if you don't have that good foundation, it can be hard. It can be hard to establish that community feeling after the fact. So it's something that I believe developers really do need to be attuned to. And it's good to see from what I'm hearing and the people I'm talking to that that's actually happening. Yeah, that's my experience too, Amanda. I think it is happening. And I heard recently about conversations that were happening between the Cat Haven and a building developer. Ah. So, yeah, so those fabulous opportunities for... You know, and, and developers are, are part of the community too. So this That's right. developer happened to be a cat lover <laughs> and um, talking to the Cat Haven about the possibilities for you know incorporating cat runs in a scheme. Yeah. It's great to hear. And we want these communities to work and developers obviously want to get most bang for their bucks. So this is a really great avenue, I think, to achieve that kind of success. Okay. And if so the market expects those things, if the public expects that from Strata, mm-hmm. then again, developers will follow suit. So mm. so it's up to everybody to make the change in the right direction. Mm. And you mentioned bylaws there as well, Rachel, which I think is a fabulous point because all too often we see communities saddled, I guess, with a set of bylaws that just doesn't work for them. And they often come to me a little bit confused as to how to make them work, where do they start, and they end up with a complete overhaul, which is often for the best. Has that been your experience as well? Are there any bylaws that you can think of that you've been able to put in place to help strata communities get to that next level of a sense of community? Yeah, I think one of the keys with bylaws is to build in enough flexibility Mm. and discretion for the council of owners. The tendency, I think, and one of the challenges for strata companies is that a council of owners that might be inexperienced in decision-making, you know, these are volunteers and and they're inexperienced and they can be a little bit nervous or fearful of making innovative decisions. Mm. So they use the bylaws almost as, you know, as if they were police officers. Yes. (laughs) Uh, And, you know, if the bylaws say something, then we won't allow it because we don't want to set a precedent. And I think that's counterproductive yep. and it's partly empowering, educating and empowering the management committee or the council of owners to use their discretion where it exists and innovative ways and ways that incorporate diversity and, and facilitate the theme or the nature of the community that they want. Mm. You're using some terminology there, Council of Owners. Just for our New South Wales listeners, I understand that would be equivalent to the Executive Committee. 
soon to be called under the new legislation, the Strata Committee. So there you go. Oh, I didn't know that that was that change was on the books. But yes, yes. the Council of Owners is essentially the management committee that's yes. elected at the AGM. The beauty of having different legislative regimes in different states of this country. <laughs> Terminology yeah. might always be the case. Yeah. Okay, Rachel, could you share a story with us around how you've helped someone living in Strata or in a or helped a Strata building to find that sense of community? One of the examples that is quite memorable for me is a scheme which was mixed commercial and residential. The residential component was, I have to say, quite, you know, a conservative demographic. And there was a proposal to tenant one of the commercial lots with a tattoo parlour. Right. And this caused a great deal of uproar (laughs) and perhaps understandably some concerns. And the Council of Owners was dead set on preventing this particular use and came to me for advice on whether they could put a stop to the use of the one of the commercial lots as a tattoo parlour. Well, some of their concerns were certainly legitimate and I was able to give them advice on steps they could take if they did want to restrict the use. I also encouraged them to look at alternatives mm-hmm. because I could see that restricting the use was going to be, it was just going to cause acrimony and division and potentially very costly, you know, if, if decisions were challenged. Mm. So really I encouraged them to talk more to the landlord and to the tenant and to get involved in those, the tenant and the landlord's decision-making around fit-out particularly so that they had an idea of what was planned or what was possible in terms of appearance and the sort of clientele that would be attracted. The communications and the conversations went really well. Mm. And that scheme today has some artwork at the entrance, uh-huh. which was commissioned, which the Strata Council commissioned the, the tattoo tenant to, to design. So um, Fabulous. they ended up being quite impressed with the creativity, the creativity and the artisticness, I guess, of yeah. the tenant. So, so that went really well. And the key was communication. The key was, okay, we've got this, we've got power, we can make a decision, mm. but let's find out more and let's work together. Yeah, a really good point. And just opening up those lines of communication, going to the other owner and saying, hey, what is it exactly that you're doing? What is your shop going to look like? What kind of services is it going to provide? What kind of clientele are you going to have? And instead of imagining all sorts of weird and wonderful, actually Mm. getting the facts and getting a proper grounded understanding can really change a point of view and allow something like this to to blossom really. Yeah. And the concerns that they had around insurance and security, mm. they found ways to address those concerns. Yeah. It's very similar to, I suppose, a lot owner, a resident lot owner who might be wanting to renovate their apartment and simply puts forward a bylaw saying, I want to knock out walls. I want to put a new kitchen. I want to put a new bathroom. And instead of perhaps the committee saying, well, no, that's going to be noisy. That's going to be risky from a structural perspective. And blanket refusing to provide approval, actually engage with that owner, go and see the apartment, go and see their plans, get them to explain to you exactly what it is that they're doing and finding a way for not only that owner to enjoy their unit but for the the value of the building as a whole to be increased and it all comes back to that sense of community, getting to know each other and having the lines of communication open instead of 
guessing and assuming. Yeah, it does. It does. That's right. Great. Okay. So, Rachel, what kinds of challenges do owners, buildings or managers face when it comes to building a sense of community and how do you think they can be overcome? One of the big challenges is the limited education or mm. limited experience that a council of owners might have in making decisions. Yep. So, so as I said earlier, I think it's about educating and empowering council of owners to get a bit creative and innovative and strategic in the ways that they, they make decisions. The bylaws are often the other challenge if the bylaws are not suited to the scheme. But in terms of overcoming those challenges, the key is for a council of owners or a management committee, the strata committee, I think mm-hmm. you were talking about in New South Wales, finding a sort of a crux of what the scheme has in common. What's something that binds everyone together? What's the theme that brings everybody together? Mm. And from that base, then also using the diversity in the scheme to grow to grow the sense of community. I think those two levers are important. What do we all have in common yes. and how do we embrace the diversity and, and make it a vibrant place as well through that diversity? Yeah. I've certainly seen buildings that have done that really well where they've identified, for example, that they've got a lot of mums living in that particular building and they all have kids around the same age, babies around the same age. And so they've put together a mother's group. And so they all get together a certain time, certain day each week and they pop out to the the common courtyard or they go down to the local coffee shop and they have their mum's group. And that's something that really successfully brings that sense of community that you're sharing that unique interest, I suppose, and that thing that you have in common with others who live in your building. So that when you do need help, maybe late in the afternoon when your husband's not home and you've got a screaming baby and you're trying to cook dinner, that you can go and knock on your neighbour's door and say, oh, hi, lovely to have a coffee with you earlier. Would you mind coming and giving me a hand? And that makes a huge difference, I think, in our day-to-day life. I mentioned hospital example as being something that might give a community a sense of community. And I mentioned it because I know of a scheme where there's a group of people who volunteer um, for like a children's um, charity that takes place in the in the hospital and it's coordinated through the Strata Company. Fabulous. Mm. I like it. And different cultural interests as well. I know in Sydney we're hugely multicultural and to have different groups who might be able to teach us a bit about their cuisines or their cultural interests. You know, another building that has a Tai Chi group, you know, wonderful opportunities for privileging that diversity and just learning more about your neighbours. Yes. Excellent. So, Rachel, have you got any quick wins or quick action steps that a listener can take today to get started creating a better sense of community in their strata scheme? Yes, I think if you're on a council of owners, on a strata council management committee, think about perhaps strategic planning or a meeting to specifically identify what are the goals of the scheme in terms of building community? How do we build community building into the goals and the plans that we put in place? Yep. Reviewing bylaws to make sure that they suit those goals and those plans and can facilitate those goals and plans. Mm. And having conversations around what do we have in common and how do we harness the diversity to make this a vibrant community? Yeah, great. A really um, practical example that I've seen work well is where 
larger buildings and large communities, they might actually be community associations, so there's a number of different strata schemes involved, they actually nominate a subcommittee that they might call the social committee or the cultural committee. And these aren't necessarily people who sit on officially on the executive committee for their strata scheme, but they are owners who are interested in building that sense of community and might have something to offer because they themselves are events planners or they have companies that are involved in social things and they have something to bring to the table and they have great ideas. So they're the kind of people who might put their hands up and say, well, look, I'm not really interested in financials and accounts and scheduling meetings, but I am interested in building that sense of community and I'm happy to sit on a subcommittee that's specifically devoted to that. So that's something that I've seen work quite well as well. It does work well and and it's a great initiative. There's, there's always going to be individuals um, who don't want to participate in those same ways and not ensuring that the scheme doesn't marginalise um, people who choose not to is also important. Not to be involved in the social aspects mm. is also important. So it's getting the right balance. Mm, I agree. Okay, Rachel, time for the book question. What books have had the greatest impact on you and why? Oh, there's so many fabulous books. I've talked for ages about books, but I thought I had to talk about the most recent book that I read, which was Bob Brown's memoirs. Fab. Um, which he titled Optimism. Yep. And I loved it because he was clearly motivated and energised to be active and to do things that he believed were mm. right for our society the title, the optimism through seeing beauty in, mm. in people and in and in the environment. So, yeah, being energised from something that's very positive, I mm. think I really enjoyed that concept. Yeah, and it's definitely something that then shines through, I believe, in the work that you do. If you're passionate, if it's something you believe in, then people can't help but sit up and listen, hey? Mm. Mm. Okay, before we wrap up, Rachel, how do listeners find out more about you and is there anything you'd like to add before we say goodbye? There is. I do have a profile on Slater and Gordon's website. Great. Um, so people can look up Slater and Gordon and they'll find my contact details there. I guess, Amanda, we're, you know, two lawyers talking about strata, but we haven't really talked about law very much at all, more no. about sociology. <laughs> but Great. I think from my point of view, you know, it's that strata occurs in this social context that makes me so passionate about the law in mm. the area. And that makes, you know, is the reason why I enjoy practicing law in the area. And I suspect you're probably the same. Yep, definitely. Thank yeah. you so much for your time this morning, Rachel. You're no doubt heading into the office after a full-on start to the day. So thank you again. You've got a lot to offer the strata sector and I'm really grateful that they have the privilege of having you over there in WA. Oh, that's very kind. Thank you very <laughs> much, Amanda. It's been great fun. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Your Strata Property, the podcast which consistently delivers to property owners reliable and accurate information about their strata property. You can access all the information below this episode via the show notes at www.yourstrataproperty.com.au. You can also ask questions in the comments section, which Amanda will answer in her upcoming episodes. How can Amanda help you today? 